Good afternoon, good evening. Welcome to Business After Hours episode 13. My guest this evening was Alex Wright. He is a social media marketing expert based in Brig. Um, he co-founded his own business, Napton Wright, with his wife. Uh, moving back from the city where he'd worked for lastminute.com, Facebook. Um, and we discussed what it was like working at Facebook in quite a lot of detail. Um, some really interesting takeaways from that. We also talked about the ups and downs of working and trying to balance up with family life. Alex has two young children. Um, we also covered things like business owners not making decisions quick enough and what that, how that impacts their business. Um, and Alex is really passionate about this area and business, so that came across really well in the podcast. I really enjoyed spending nearly two over two hours with Alex on this one. Um, so uh, get a strong cup of coffee, or if you're driving in the car, turn it up full blast and enjoy. Alex. Thank you very much for being on the podcast. It's a pleasure. This is my first. First of many, maybe. Uh, see, see how it goes. <laughs> it's not that bad. No, no, no. It's just talking. That's what I do for a living. So, should, um, You should be a professional. Uh, it should be, yeah. It should be a professional at lots of things. Well, the last time we were probably together was at a talk. Yep. We were both talking about... Um, uh, health and well-being. Health and well-being. Yeah, yeah. Um, you talked a lot about your past and mm. present. I babbled on about some topics I thought made up company culture, yeah. put everyone to sleep. Red pool tables. That Yeah, that, <laughs> I think that was uh, that was on the you must entertain your team <laughs> slide. Yeah. Um, so what, so obviously I know you, Alex Wright from Napton Wright. Yeah. But for anyone who hasn't heard of you or seen you speak. Which would be the vast majority of the world. What is it that you do? Yeah. And why do you do it? Uh, wow, wow, what a way to start. So, I run a creative marketing agency called Napton Wright. We have been going for five years now. I set it up with my wife, whose maiden name is Napton. We, so we incredibly creatively and imaginatively decided to blend our two surnames together into one, uh, which actually was born out of uh, my time working in the city where... We had a lot of ad agencies who had initials or names that we worked with. Um, and I thought actually they stood out more than like Purple Giraffe or something like that. So, And I'm, I'm not the sort of person that could pull off something wacky and crazy. So, uh, so I went down the kind of the professional straightforward line. Um, well, that's the story I tell anyway. It could just be a lack of imagination and a panic in the office that we had at home yeah. when we were creating the company. So, um, yeah, so we're a, we're a marketing agency. And uh, over the last five years, we've been working in and around uh, Lincolnshire and occasionally further beyond. Uh, my wife is from up here. Uh, we met down in London and it was my suggestion to move back here, although everybody assumes it was hers because... She's from here and she, they assume that uh, she dragged me back, but they didn't. Uh, she is a farmer by birth. I think you can only be a farmer by birth. You cannot come into it later. That's what I've learned. Um, and uh, she now works on the farm. She doesn't really get involved in the agency that much. Um, so I spend some time working with clients on their marketing and occasionally do the old speaker piece as well. Um, which I really enjoy actually, which is odd because uh, 20 years ago you wouldn't have got me on the phone call ordering a pizza 
never mind standing in front of people talking. Really? Why was that? I was incredibly shy. I guess I probably still am inherently, but um, yeah, when I was when I was young, I see uh, people pushing their children forward now at the age of five or six, going to get them to order stuff, going to talk to waitresses in pubs and things like that, and um, and I would never have done that as a child. And I don't know why that was, but I was just incredibly shy. Um, I can empathise. I was just, I was very similar. Yeah, it's yeah, hard, my, isn't it? My um, my parents would introduce me to someone come over, and you, you, I'd be one of those kids that was like, "Say hello, Liam," and I'd just be like, mm, <laughs> yeah, "No, yeah. Not, not even going to look at the person." Mm-hmm. I don't know why. That probably lasted until I was uh, early teens. Mm. Yeah, it is difficult. And I think it, it, you end up getting it being reinforced because your parents then say, um, oh, he's, he's very shy. And that's not a, not a bad thing. It's a natural thing. You know, it, as a, Now I'm a parent. I understand that. So I make excuses for my two children and say, oh, no, they're, they're shy or oh, no, they're, they're in a funny mood today. And if you forget that kids have ears and they understand, they have brains. You reckon um, it's kind of a self fulfilling thing they hear it in some ways i don't think it was with me at all because uh i think it was just in me but then i i I even got through university without really being particularly um uh, able to get rid of that shyness Mm -hmm. however on the flip side uh, i get me on a sports field and it's completely different love it vocal passionate get involved um and uh, and I guess I realised while I was kind of coming to the end of my university time that I needed to do something to change it. My sort of my my working persona. You know, I worked in some pubs and things like that, and I was happy chatting to people. But my natural, my default was to not bother talking to somebody. Not because I wasn't interested, just because I suppose I was a little bit worried about what I might say and what they might think about what I say. Whereas now, I'm in my late thirties. And I don't really mind what people think about me or if they uh, are judging what I say or <laughs> what I do. Um, within reason, obviously, being a business owner, I do need to respect that because I have responsibilities to my team. But um, but I don't really, if, if if someone says, oh, you're not worried about someone, what someone will think. Well, no, not really. Not really. If they know me well enough, then yeah, they, they'll they'll know who I am. Yeah, I think it's a it's something that happens in your thirties, or at least it mm. was for the majority of people that I know. When I get to my thirties, I'll tell you that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> twenty one forever. That's it. Yeah, yeah. No, I think well, twenty five. I think twenty five, twenty one. I was still pretty green. Um, I think by the time I got to twenty four, twenty five, that's when I was starting to behave like a probably an eighteen or nineteen year old. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, just coming back to the name. Yeah, um, I'm glad you didn't go with uh, KW, uh, KW Associates, something like that. The the letters for business names drives me crazy. <laughs> Why is that? Well, you, well, it just doesn't mean anything. And <laughs> saying a bunch of letters, it doesn't really invoke much. Plus, the majority of times is there's another twenty thousand companies also using those letters. So you just well it's not really very unique no that or acronyms yeah well it's funny you say that the i uh the last agency i worked for in london before i moved up to lincolnshire moved up here in 2013 the last agency i worked for was called tbg digital and 
the MD there, a chap called Simon Mansell, he was a great bloke, um, still is a great bloke, I'm sure. Um, he came up with the business, he came up with the name, and he's, there was always a, a certain amount of mystique around what it stood for. Um, and he always just insisted it was something boring like the buying group, the booking group. Um, but I think it, you know, actually he just picked some letters uh, and went for it. It was in the early days. He, he set it up in sort of 2001, I think, and was just going and you know, buying ads for people. Um, but yeah, so the same the thing applied, you know, TBG. But people would not really question what it stood for. They just they just went for it. Mm, maybe they think it sounds professional. And <laughs> yeah, I suppose. Yeah, if if you aren't very creative, it's probably the best way to go because there's nothing worse than a a name that's trying too hard. Yeah, well, I th- I think that when you you can spend a lot of time creating a name for a business, you spend a lot of time thinking about it, and you spend you think, well, what about this? What about that? Whereas actually, you might as well just start off because when you start off, no one knows who you are anyway. So you could spend a couple of years with one name. You could spend five years with one name mm. and then change it. And it's a good opportunity to contact your existing people. And, and as long as you've got a reason for it, if you just pluck another daft one out of the air, then <laughs> it's not quite the same. But um, yeah, I, I think there's. I'm, I'm amazed that some people use the names that they do because they're bizarre or you know the acronyms or anything that you know i can't moonpig.com always got me <laughs> well everyone remembers it it's a they? great name now but imagine at the time they're sitting around a table and they're coming up with all these names someone goes moonpig yeah they're like what the hell is that i'm pretty sure that i was at, played hockey with someone whose nickname was moonpig and i don't think it was a particularly flattering <laughs> intention behind the behind the nickname but i mean it worked it worked because yeah. that jingle but yeah um, that has ruined the rest of this chat, by the way, because I've now got it going around in my head. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe you need to have a little moon pig. We'll uh, put an edit interlude. in. <laughs> yeah, that's it. I'll we'll send them a check for the, uh, an invoice for the advertising. <laughs> um, yeah, so anyway, Napton, right? Yeah. I mean, it actually is a decent name. It's all um, right. Yeah, it's all right. It's a, well, it, it is what it is. I think um, the more people get to know it, but, but the, you get a lot of... Um, confusion around it people napton and right which again it's it's a subtle thing with the spelling yeah well they, the people think it's called napton and right or they think i'm called napton right oh, okay. as my name like alex napton well i was going to ask you i get the right but where's napton come from was, you answered uh, that already so yeah yeah right. well <clears throat> the, so i tell you the um when we moved up here there are quite a lot of naptons around um uh big family louise's grandfather was one of nine children and so there are quite a few spin-offs from that so we thought well actually it's an interesting name and you know you're going to spend a whole time spelling out right anyway because of silent letters and things so we might as well spell the first bit too and it also starts conversations with people so i i always find it very difficult so let's you know rolling back to when i was saying i was shy I was shy, but I was never short of something to talk to someone about because I just asked people questions and let them answer it. And I, I'm kind of the same now. But that the, the difference now is that I'm just really interested in people. And I find that if someone says to me, oh, that, that person over there is really boring, you just haven't asked them the right questions. 99 times out of 100, the person will be really interesting. They'll have something interesting to say. Even if you just say, what have you done today? Or, you know, where did you go in the summer? someone's going to answer that with something different they might say i went to corsica and you're oh yeah where where were you and you start 
talking to them about it and you find out a bit more about them and you know like you and I were chatting before this about you know places you'd been you know there's always something interesting to say or to learn about somebody and I guess that's why I got into marketing and the kind of creative industry because I like stories I like creative stuff I like I always thought of myself as not particularly creative because my dad's an architect or a retired architect now although I don't think you can ever retire from being an architect I think it's a bit like being an alcoholic or something you can become a recovering alcoholic and you're he's a recovering architect perhaps <laughs> um but uh I was always surrounded by him you know he's really creative graphically you know does wonderful drawings and plans and has got this great vision and that kind of some of that rubbed off on me but not enough so that when I did my architecture and planning degree um the architecture side of things kind of fell by the wayside because I just was not good enough at that side of things so I focused on the the planning and the environmental studies and um kind of place marketing and things like that side of it so uh, I always considered myself not desperately creative but then I realized that creativity doesn't have to it's not just drawings it's not you know, it's different way of thinking, different way of approaching problems and things like that. Um, which I guess, you know, you come across every day, spend your whole life thinking about. Yeah. Um, well, there's, the way I was always taught was there's two sides of the brain. There's the left and the right, and one's creative, one's logical. And uh, you're kind of born with one being more prominent than the other. Um so my, I think I've, I'm more creative, but then you can instantly meet other people. Usually the, the key is give them a pen and a piece of paper. And if they instantly go, oh, no, I can't draw, then you're like, okay, you're probably logical. <laughs> um, but in terms of creative thinking, do you mean creative, like brand new idea generation? Or do you mean you're creative, like you can see things, they they're in your mind before they're on paper uh yeah sometimes uh although at the moment we're doing uh, i say at the moment for the next 20 years my wife and i are going to be renovating our house and i can i can't really look at a room and picture how i want it to be i can kind of see another room and see and say oh god yeah i like that and i can say why i like it but i couldn't look at our uh our sitting room and say yeah okay so we need this color on the wall we need this furniture here and there whereas my sister-in-law brilliant at that she can look at it and just go oh yeah yeah this is great um however when it when it comes to if someone gives me a problem or if they say you know i want to um i want to launch a product or i want to launch a service or i want to change something then as long as i can understand it which i'll take my time thinking about then yeah you know i can i can see how they can do that and see how they can approach it now there's a separate thing to that there's a guy who works for me who's brilliant at coming up with creative ideas so the the creative i think the creative thinking and the coming up with ideas are two separate things they're not separate they're linked but you don't have you can't necessarily be good at both of them you can you can be good at both of them but sometimes people are more uh, focused on the kind of the, the creative thinking versus the ideas that might not make a huge amount of sense but in my mind, it does. So, like, creative problem solving. Yeah, exactly. And I've I've, I've recently <clears throat> I've, I've recently met this guy. Um, he lives in the village that I live in, and he is a marine. And he's he's coming out of the marines in a year. Um, 
brilliant guy. Really love talking to him. So full of stories, as you might imagine. But also his approach to um, to problem solving, to uh, to life I th- as a whole, is just incredibly interesting because he will take everything that he's learned over 20 years in the military and apply it to everyday life which means that he makes decisions very quickly um and he uh not that he doesn't doesn't think about the outcomes over he doesn't overthink things he will (laughs) if there's something that needs to be done he'll do it because that's better than leaving it worrying about it spending ages trying to decide what to do and then doing what you would have done in the first place. Yeah. So it's, it, I remember uh, a few years ago, we had a, a different business I worked for. We had a, a growth accelerator guy come in and he was talking about companies that succeed having a bias for action. And that is absolutely true because there's very, very rarely, there are very few incidences or instances where you make the wrong decision. Not making a decision is the wrong decision. So if you've got path A and path B and you go down path A and you end up thinking actually path B would have been better, well, you just veer across, don't you? You find a way to get from path A to path B. And actually what you're trying to get to is the outcome and then move on from there. So making, and, and this is something that at the time I didn't really think about too much because I wasn't running, running a business, I was part of someone else's business. Um, but since then I've thought about a lot. And because I, bizarrely, uh, I'm a, um, I overthink everything as well. And I think this probably links in with the shyness. I spend a lot of time thinking, a lot of time, which is why I like um, cycling. I like running. Uh, I like, uh, I used to have a motorbike. I used to love just putting my helmet on, going out for a ride out. And just at that point, no one can interrupt because you don't have music on. There's no, no one talking to you. Um but you, you're soaking up what's around you whilst you're looking around, you know, obviously paying attention to the road and stuff. But yeah, that was that was great. But it gives you time to think, doesn't it? The frustrating thing about that is you can't then remember it. Oh, I can't remember it. I do a car journey. I listen to a podcast and it's amazing. Oh, yeah, that's brilliant. I'm going to get back in the office. I'm going to implement all these 300 things that I've just listened to. And then I get back to the office and someone rings me and then I do an email and then something else happens and I go and get some food and... Uh, and then it's only when I'm sitting talking to someone about three days later that I think, oh, yeah, I should have done that. Yeah, I empathise with that. That happens a lot. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I don't get a lot of free time to think for myself anymore. So the shower is a good one. <laughs> Normally in the shower, um, just kind of stood under the water, just like thinking about the day, thinking about things. You know, oh, yeah. Got to remember this thing. It happened to me literally this morning. So I'm gonna. I've got a meeting tomorrow morning. I'm gonna. I've just thought of a really good analogy for something. And I was like, right. I remember that. I remember that. I remember that. Got out the shower. Start driving myself. Remember that. Remember. That. Put my contact lenses in. Did other stuff. Cursed. Uh, my wife started talking to me. Then gone. He literally just reminded me now. <laughs> Is that what you wrote? Hours it? later. You wrote I just it down. wrote that down. <laughs> just wrote it down on my <laughs> yeah. sheet of paper so I don't forget. But it, did look deep it happens all the time. Yeah, but this is what you need a pad by your shower or something. Too. Well, Although someone said to me a waterproof in. whiteboard. Uh, but imagine that. Imagine what a nerd you'd look like. Someone comes <laughs> up to your house. Like, Why have you got a whiteboard in the shower? Because of my ideas. I'm like, Jesus <laughs> Christ. Yeah. Not that people go into your shower all the time, but... No. no. Particularly but not it, in our house because our shower is like a, 
a small boy whittling on your head at the moment. It is not low pressure. N- no, oh, this is not up to scratch. But there we go. Um, so Napton Wright is where you are now. Mm. But what were you doing? How did you get into marketing? It's uh, it's t- to me, I find it kind of interesting. Which I don't, I don't tend to find a lot about myself that interesting. Partly because I've lived my life and uh, and uh, and kind of endured it for this long. I, uh, when I was at school, I went. To, I I grew up in Lancashire, in a small village in Lancashire, and my life was pretty straightforward. You know, dad architect, mum teacher, uh, nine to five jobs. My dad worked in Manchester, and he'd come home at the same time every day on the same train, as, as long as the train was on time. And it was, you know, quite a sort of structured existence. I played quite a lot of sport, um, and that was that was my life really: school, sport, school, sport. And then I went, you know, went to senior school, and that was an all boys school. And I was really lucky; it was an independent school, so we had brilliant facilities. Um, they gave you an amazing kind of um, um, grounding for life because of the, because it was more than just come here, do the curriculum get the results and then go on to your next stage and we don't care about you. They were, they still are. I mean, I went back for a 20 year reunion another, uh, a couple of months ago and it was lovely being back. It really was. And it reminded me that when you're at school, you don't really appreciate how good it is. You don't appreciate all the opportunities. However, when you're at school, if someone tells you to appreciate the opportunities, you probably nod your head and then go and do whatever you were doing before. Um, but you know all the sort of the, the wraparound care that they give you, and, and also the, the idea that you have to think for yourself, the opportunities that you have, um, rather than just focusing on one thing in particular. So that was brilliant. Went away to university. I was desperate to go to London. Um, my fa- my dad's family's from down south, so I, I really wanted to go down there. Wanted to be in the city. Did architecture and planning. Loved university. Uh, in spite of the sort of the shines thing, this, I just threw myself into sport. Uh, I was I did you know, I was part of the boat club for a short while until they did they said you have to be down on the river at 5:30 a.m. and you you know wearing your purple leotard. I said, is that a joke? Is that fancy dress? No, 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 that's what we do. Right, okay. I'm, do you know? What? I think I might stay in bed and carry on just playing hockey. Actually, if that's all right, <laughs> which is in the afternoon and um, and it did, actually hockey did involve wearing leotards at some points or another, but that was you know one off and more on the social front. So. Um, <clears throat> uh, Went to went to university. But I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I didn't. I kind of got the feeling through my course. I didn't really fancy being a planner, a town planner, even though I was really interested in it. I was interested in the way that people move through spaces, the the, the influences that space has on our lives and on on conversations and how people kind of approach stuff that they do. Uh, I thought, no, I'm, I'm going to stop doing this. And then cut through to I did. A, I thought, right. I've got to get out of myself. I've got to kind of do something different. So I'll do a sales job and went through a load of um, interviews for recruitment consultant jobs. And all of them said, do you know, you're not, you're not quite right for us. Sorry about that. And that was because I was pretty laid back in my interviews. And I, um, from day one, having interviews, I treated them like a date and I was always rubbish at dates. So that's probably a terrible thing to do. But, uh, you know, when you go in there for an interview, if you're the interviewee, you should be grilling the interviewer as much as they are grilling you. And that was, you know, not that I grilled dates, but, you know, you ask questions, don't you? And you, you've got to be expected to do that to find out whether you are right for them, whether they're right for you. And uh, and I was, but I was still fairly sort of laid back and I was asking these recruitment guys questions about their business, questions about them, about their team. And I think they got a bit frustrated by it. They, all they wanted to know that, is that I would make a thousand phone calls a day 
bring in you know a million pounds a week and um and probably you know drink ten thousand pints and wear a big rolex and that was i was like no it's not really for me um but anyway so i went and did a, a sales job in uh, advertising sales and and really enjoyed that but there's a point where they were had really t- a whole host of targets based on it's just telesales essentially business to business telesales you weren't allowed to sit down until you'd made a certain number of calls in a day um, you weren't allowed access to email if you wanted to send an email out to a client then uh, your boss had to do it for you line manager had to do it for you and so uh, I was just going in there and having chats with people ringing people up you know international client my first deal was with a guy in America um, he was amazing he introduced the phrase uh, busting your balls um, and, uh, and I was like oh right I've not heard that before great um, and then uh, I just sort of chatted to them got to know them and said right you know this is what you need this is what we've got how about we do this and match it up together and I, I was quite successful with it which was um, a surprise to everybody and almost annoying I think to my bosses because they're saying your call numbers aren't in, aren't high enough you know you're spending a long time on the phone but you're not making enough calls and I said well if I'm spending enough time and actually the money's coming in what's the problem and they didn't like that very much because I was answering back I suppose which was something that I'd been taught not to do but I felt that I was you know this was my job and I was entitled to put my my view forwards so I lasted 18 months there and then got headhunted which sounds much more exciting than it was and went to lastminute.com which was great fun um, and stuck it out there for a bit but I didn't really like the boss because he threw sweets at you and I think that was a bit <laughs> he threw, yeah. threw sweets at you yeah he's, he was he was quite a uh, a short guy so he used to um walk around the tables throwing sweets at you and then say you know oh do you want a sweet like, yeah thanks very much and then he'd say why aren't you making a call and i said well matt i'm eating my sweets you know you just throw me some sweets and then why you know this is this is ridiculous i can't work like this so i, I sort of challenged him on it and he said no well, that's how that's how i operate and i said that's okay that's fine um that's great and then I went and looked for another job because I didn't want to operate on a team like that. Um, That's odd. It, it is odd. But um, for somebody, my my um, grandparents, particularly my paternal grandparents, because they were younger than my maternal grandparents, um, my granddad had quite a big influence on me. And, and I got the impression fairly early on that he was um, uh, quite... Um, a bit cheeky he was cheeky he was cheeky with people in the you know when we went out for dinner and things like that and um he'd, ha- he'd happily have a conversation with people he's very sort of friendly um quite he's a big guy um six four with quite broad shoulders and great big smile and he would you know he was a bit sort of naughty um in, but not in a, a bad way he wasn't a bad lad and i quite like that and i thought well actually in this situation, he'd have stood up to it as well. He wouldn't have taken crap like that from somebody who was just arsing about. And so I thought, well, yeah, this is what he'll do. Um, and he was still around at that point. I probably should have talked it through with him rather than <laughs> doing it straight off the bat. But, but yeah, so anyway, then I went to work for a, a university, University of Westminster, in their marketing team and helped them sort of recruit students and things. And 
was there for about three years and that, that was a, a massive challenge because academics were very rarely there and when they were there they didn't really understand marketing because they had their own specialisms um but it was good fun um and then i had a dis- disagreement with my this is coming across as i'm a i'm an awkward person i'm not i'm really laid back <laughs> i just keep falling i never fall out with anybody i just put my point across and if if they don't agree with it and and I don't agree with them, then that's, you know, we have a discussion about it, but I've never shouted at anybody. Um, but uh, this, my boss, who I've really respected, and she's director of marketing, and she was really good at what she did. And I said, look, uh, this is 2008, and I said, we should be advertising on Facebook because that's where, you know, students are spending their time. Um, we should be promoting the university there. And she said, no, 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 that's their social time. They don't want to be hit with adverts about the University of Westminster. I said, that's exactly where they should be hit with ads about University of Westminster. You know, that's where they're talking to their mates. That's, you know, it's where they're just putting their feet up and then it's, it doesn't then feel like it's their teachers forcing it down their throat. She said no. And um, the ad agency we were working with at the time, they said no as well. And I thought, hang on, there's, there's something a bit funny here. And just by completely by chance, uh, I saw um, an ad on the Guardian website for a job at Facebook about a week later. And I thought, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll apply for that. And I don't know whether it's because it was on my, the front of my mind that I it stood out to me or what. Um, I, I'm not necessarily a believer in fate because I think you just make it yourself by being aware of stuff. And so I applied and I had seven job interviews um, with them across various different parts of the business. Um, and seven? Seven job interviews, yeah. Seven interviews because uh, it was... I had an interview with uh, the guys who were going to be the, my manager, people who were going to be on my team, the commercial director, the uh, the global head of sales and marketing, who was uh, a real American guy called Murph, um, brilliant guy, very clever, very smart, uh, very friendly with it, really set the tone. Um, and then a couple of HR people. So this was over a period of about three months. And I remember vividly kind of two, three in the morning one day having this call with Murph and just, you know, on my bed running around effectively and getting really kind of into it because they were just they were just asking questions and getting you to talk about your vision for Facebook and how you think it fits in with society and how you think, it, you know, digital's going and all that kind of stuff. It was never really about, you know, what we like at marketing, what we like at selling and advertising and things. So, uh, so yeah, eventually got that and uh, and started working there in October two thousand and eight. Um, and I joined on the day of their one hundred million user party, which was a great party um, and a great first day. And um, I also joined on the day when everyone else had had there'd been a break in in the office. They, so, if you imagine Facebook now, big multinational. Back then, in the UK, first non-US office was the UK office in London in a managed space in Soho Square. And if you've ever been to Soho Square, you know there's some beautiful big buildings around it. And this was just in a kind of a a nice but slightly scruffy managed space down there. And uh, there'd been a break-in, so nobody else had their laptops. I had mine because it was delivered that morning by (laughs) courier. And so I was sitting there, the new boy... Um, and uh, it's happened away on my laptop. Um, so I think people looked at me slightly suspiciously, you know, this kind of new fellow coming in, he's the only one with a laptop, <laughs> coming in on the party day. 
Um, but it was good. It set the tone, and it's uh, it was it was the beginning of an amazing three and a half years. But I actually know it's probably the beginning of amazing eleven years since then because that has set the tone for absolutely everything that I've done. It really made me think about the world. It made me think about my relationships with people. It made me think about people's relationships with each other. It made me think about business because they employed you and said, go and do your job. Just go and do it. And, you know, this is these are your targets. This is the training we're going to give you. This is the induction. This is everything. You know, the support was there. But you've been brought in because of your fit with the team and because we think you can sell the Facebook vision. You can work with our commercial partners. You can um, work with journalists. You can work with anybody to make them understand what Facebook's all about. And even, at, you know, Christmas 2008, we all kind of went, this was the first Christmas of Facebook being in the UK, Facebook office being in the UK. We all kind of went into the Christmas break uh, thinking, I hope our jobs are here when we get back. Because, and I'm not, I'm not exaggerating, I'm not being um, um, deliberately sensational about this. You sort of think, well, you know, anything could happen because it's a relatively new platform. And there was, even back then, there were stories flying around about it and the security side of things and the fact that um, people could access stuff, employees could access stuff about um, members on Facebook. And that became a bit of a, uh, a talking point. Whereas actually, you know, if you bank with um, a bank, then their employees can access stuff about you, but people didn't see it that way. So we kind of, you know, we were re relieved, I think, to come back to work in the early January. And uh, But I think that the other thing about that Christmas was that the, the commercial director, a guy called Blake, brilliant guy to work for, really, really great guy. Um, he really did put his arms around you and make you the best you could be. Um, he just said, go and have an amazing Christmas because next year is going to be bloody difficult. We're going to work you hard. And they do, you know, they, I mean, they still do now, obviously, but they, they push you really, really hard because they want the best out of you. And they always work to the point where they wouldn't hire a new person until there was a full new person plus amount of work to do. So you, you'd end up basically, you know, have 10 people doing 115% capacity and then they'd go, yeah, we'll bring someone else in there. <laughs> um, but uh, but it, was, it, was, it was amazing. Uh, and I think that until that point, I never really thought about the fact that Yahoo, Google, uh, MSN as it was, um, all those platforms had teams of people that made the the commercial side of it run you know i thought about the people who built it maintained it i didn't expect them to be such big teams on that and i didn't really know what an ad agency was you know i had the ad agency experience when i was working at lastminute.com and at the university of westminster but i didn't know what an ad agency did really beyond you know little odds and sods there so to find a team of people who were working with agencies and working with everybody was just pretty eye-opening again you know, I revert you back to this kind of little village I grew up in in rural Lancashire and me being very shy it, it just didn't it was a bit of a surprise um, but you you grow into it pretty quickly was it 
so you said they worked you hard at Facebook. Yeah. Was it tough to the point where you were almost going to quit or no. was the no? No, no. We, that's, a, that's a really good question. And it's not one I've ever been asked. Be- no, because they they provide you with so much kind of care that they would make sure that you weren't going to excess. So there are lots of companies, particularly in, in the environment we're in, in London, where, you know, if you think of, Foxtons, which is an estate agency down there, you know, grew really, really quickly. They used to have, they used to hire people, uh, burn them out, absolutely run them into the ground, working, you know, eight days a week. Um, and they'd get paid really well, but they'd need that to fund their rehab afterwards. So, uh, but Facebook wasn't like that. And they would, because they knew that their people were their best assets. And that's not just the people who were working for them, the people who are on the platform as well. Without the people, Facebook is nothing because there are no users. There's nobody to be advocates of it. And we were, you know, 24-7 advocates of the brand, which is always pretty interesting because my now wife, then girlfriend, uh, used to frequently say, at, you know, if we went for dinner with people or sitting in the pub, she'd, oh, I don't like Facebook. I don't use it. I don't use it at all. And I sort of gently nudge him, like, you know, they pay my wages. You know, they're, <laughs> they're paying our bills. <laughs> you can't say that. But she, at the time, she was working for Cancer Research UK and on their um, events team. And so she was the, you know, the good in the world. And I was arguably the the bad. Um, Selling your soul. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So how did Facebook look after you? You said that, was it Blake? Yeah. With his arm around you. What does that mean? He was a brilliant mentor okay. um, because he made you think about what you were doing. And he and uh, my manager, uh, a chap called Josh, um, who wasn't American despite being called Josh and a lot of Joshes in America. I learned that. Um, they combined, they made you think about you and effectively. So at the moment, you'll have seen it as much as I do. All this stuff about personal branding, build your personal brand, all that stuff. In 2008, they were saying that to me and the rest of the team, not just me. Um, you know, think about Alex Wright PLC. Think about you because at the end of it all, you're the only one that's going to matter. If you can t- guess, guess, convey to everybody in the organization what you're doing, why you're doing it, and how successful you're being without jumping around and being one of those kind of look at me kind of people. If you can be the expert at being you and you are the expert in your job and the company you work for, you're going to stand out. And everybody wants to stand out in order to progress and you know, to progress, you advance your career and all that kind of stuff. So they were saying, make sure that you know you understand what you're doing, you understand why you're doing it, for whom you're doing it, and where you want to be with it. And that's effectively all the all these personal branding experts, that's what they say. Be the, be the best in your field. Be the expert in it. And so interestingly, you know, I thought I've, I've carried that with me and I still do now. And some people who have uh, met me or maybe engaged with me on LinkedIn or see me on LinkedIn will say, well, he's, you know, sometimes he's not being the marketing expert that he's supposed to be, you know, maybe he's being a little playful 
or uh, mischievous. Well, actually, no, because that's me and I like to have a bit of fun. I like, you know, play, platforms like tin, LinkedIn are brilliant, but they're so boring if you're <laughs> just steady away on it all the time, telling people what a great business you have, telling people what great people you have. I mean, that's it's really important to, to get that message across. But it's also important to have a personality and to, to have a bit of fun. And I think that um, I think that's really, really at the core of what I do. I try to have fun and I try I try not to be too serious. There are times to be serious, but even when you've got the most important client meeting, you've got the most important conversation that you've got to have, you still, if you're not relaxed, you're not going to make a good job of it, in my view. Would you agree? Yeah. Um, well, I was just going to ask you, if you have an important client meeting, do you tone down the the being slightly humorous or do you keep it the same sort of level or do you ramp it up <laughs> i i consider myself a relatively good judge of character or of a situation i can read a room relatively well um and uh yes yeah, so if some if i can tell that somebody is interested in uh talking about the rugby or something at the weekend then i'll talk to them about that and then we'll get on to work and then maybe there'll be a bit more about you know non-work related stuff even in the most serious meeting um because that's what you know you're buying people aren't you you know Mm. they're not buying kitchen cupboards or something that they're buying the the service that my company delivers and the people who do it um and so i think the people you know that that personal interaction is absolutely essential i'm not i'm not i'm not going to lark around um because it's important to me that, <laughs> that I come across well, but um, I do like to just have a. I, I like fun. I think it's life is much more enjoyable when it's fun. I'm definitely not life and soul of the party kind of like attention seeker type thing. Um, although occasionally I have about seventeen different personalities, and occasionally one of them is just you know I you know, let my hair down and and go for it, but. Um, that's generally only with really close friends uh, or in a sporting environment um, and sometimes yeah sometimes the two collide um, almost always when there's some booze <laughs> yeah alcohol yeah kind of takes that barrier away yeah it does yeah something well yeah I, I mean I get what you mean the, the reading a room uh, is important most of the time I'll usually try and lighten the mood to start with because you're right any any human you're dealing with in business i've never maybe with the exception of one or two you make a joke and they just they just completely (laughs) they don't want anything they just want they're there for the deal or whatever the thing is that they're there to meet you about but um but then that kind of says something about them and the relationship Mm. like if that's the type of person you can't have a laugh and a joke with them and they're just all business, then it's kind of... Yeah. Do you really want to be working with them? Well, yeah. I'm, I'm interested in people who whose business is their life and very much... Um, very. I'm really interested in that because it must become exhausting, <laughs> you know, just thinking about business all the time, thinking about work all the time. I suppose... And people say, you know, if you've got a job you love, then... You know that's great. Yeah, I I love my job. It's brilliant. I get to meet lots of interesting people. I get to see things like this, which you ordinarily wouldn't get to do. I get to go to places that I wouldn't ordinarily have been. 
you know, I went to San Francisco a few times when I was at Facebook and, and the, the Dublin office of Facebook and went to clients in Amsterdam and things like that. And it was, it was brilliant. Um, and I, you know, I'd like to build my agency into the position where we can you know, do that. We've got a couple of clients in America, but that's, um, that's uh, video conference only at the moment. <laughs> um, although I might try to engineer a visit out there because I've got family in America as well, who I'd like to see. But um, uh, yeah, the people who just immerse themselves in business all day, I think, what are you doing at the weekend? What are you doing in the evening? What are you doing to make yourself a rounded person? If if work is what makes you a rounded person, then hey hey, that's great. You know, the the world is there to be full of seven billion different people. Um, but uh, but maybe don't spend a huge amount of time talking to me because I will um, ask you about sport and ask you about other stuff and family and things like that. And if you have if you just if you haven't got answers, then the conversation's going to be a relatively <laughs> short one. I, th- I think. Uh, so you just coming on to family, you've got. Two kids? Yes. Yeah, that's it. Two full stop. Um, no, no more? No, no, no more. No, we've got, we've got two children, a dog, the renovation project of the, the house. My wife has two businesses, which is the farm and her accommodation business that's, part, that's, that's based on the farm. And we've got Napton Wright. And I think that's absolutely enough to keep us going for now. Um, and yeah, and the two children are, um, are great fun. And a reason I think, well, you know, and uh, yeah, it's interesting because I always wanted to have children. I didn't really want to have babies. I found babies slightly You wanted to just skip to like yeah, yeah, when they five could, year when they could walk around. Yeah. And again, I'm, again, I'm not painting a hugely um, great picture of myself by being uh, larking around, being awkward and uh, not, not liking babies. I do like <laughs> babies. They're very, very sweet. But there's, you, you know, you, you don't get a lot back from them. Yeah. Uh, and it and it's fine when it's someone else's baby because you don't get a lot back for a, maybe half a day and then you can leave and, you know, the parents are there to deal with it. When it's your own, oh, gosh, you know, the, the nights are long and the, the days are long and um, sleep is short. And I never really thought about how exhausting having children would be because you are not only living your life and making your decisions you're making decisions for them uh making decisions that involve them you're making uh choices that if you think about it too hard you'll end up blowing your own mind or you said you're a thinker yeah have you overthought the decision yeah yeah. oh yeah yeah decisions with the kids yeah well you know you sort of think well you know if, if um i've allowed them to do this what if that leads to them doing, I don't know, breaking their leg or something like that, and then that ruins the rest of their life because I've allowed them to go on the trampoline after their food and they've not really been concentrating on something. Actually, I, I don't overthink it really anymore. But there are times when you sort of think, ah, okay, I've um, this is on me. I've got to grow these children. And whilst they are independent, um, you know, they're... they're still young children, still at primary school. They've got their own minds, and I love that. And sometimes it's really easy to forget that they have got their own opinions on things. You know, a seven-year-old can make her own mind up. They can, you know, if if, if they say that something's happening, well, it might well be happening, even if it's really unlikely. And you're, you're I suppose, maybe not at that stage yet, you know, because your, your child's not necessarily 
talking and running around so much but you know if they come running up to you and they say something's happening and you think oh no it's not and your first reaction is to say no it isn't <laughs> and you think actually you know in hindsight in retrospect i shouldn't have said that i should have said right okay tell me more but because your mind is so frazzled especially when you know you've got work on your mind and all that kind of stuff you you sort of you do them a disservice the poor little things and um and i'm always sort of berating myself you know i, I only have a, I'm, I'm really lucky i only have a short commute into work i don't even consider it a commute it's just up and over the hill and through some fields and that's you know that's great um and i often think oh why did i deal with it in that way well that's ridiculous but it's really have you found that having a child has helped you deal with uh issues in the workplace That's a good question. Uh, maybe mm. it's, it's almost like um, going to the gym. It's over such a long period; and it's <laughs> hard to know where the the crossover is. Um, maybe what what way were you thinking? Well, um, I say to my children, uh, "Don't come to me with a problem. Come with." you know the solution to the problem you've got or at least at least one solution maybe two and they are just about getting to the point where they understand that and i i say that to my 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 team as well at work i don't want you to just tell me about problems and things i mean i'm not talking about emotional problems here I'm not, I'm not, you know they can tell me those all they like and but the i'm talking about a, you know a situation that needs resolving and i find that you know parenting has really helped me understand or think about human interaction and then having a business has helped me be a, a better parent I think as well because of making decisions on other people's behalf you know I have a responsibility as the business owner to make decisions that help the business grow because that way the, the team can grow they can uh, learn more they can experience more they can earn more everything that I've had, I've been really fortunate in the last um, uh, 17 years since I left university to experience a huge amount of stuff that I can kind of bundle up and, and use every day. And I'd, lo I'd love my team to experience all that kind of stuff as well. I, I'd love to be able to put uh, my team into a city agency for a week, you know, or longer, get some, you know, different work experience and then come back and um, and say and tell me what they learned but I know that agencies won't necessarily agree to that because you know, confidentiality and that sort of thing that um, would be a uh, that would, I'd be amazed if you found one that would let you <laughs> yeah. do it well, I just say just go into this massive agency and maybe bring back a client or two yeah. and just <laughs> it would be, see what would be great um, <laughs> well it would be great also if you knew that they were all going to come back and that agency wasn't like oh actually you're quite good maybe How, you should uh, stick around yeah but so my view on that is, my, is similar to my view on um, relationships if you're doing a good enough job they will come back because if you you know think about you know a loved one a partner if the partner sees you know the grass is greener well hey ho that's because they think the grass is greener because you're not you know looking after them in the right way or keeping the relationship alive <clears throat> and the same thing applies to I think your team sometimes you're going to get people who move location or who just fancy a change they've kind of come to the end of their um their time with you and that's absolutely fine you know always leave on a 
good note if you can, um, because you never know when you know what's gonna what's gonna come around. I agree. But, but yeah, so you, know, you, you have all these resp- responsibilities to people, and I have a responsibility to my children to try and give them the best life, or I feel like I have. Um, and but I don't spend all my life thinking, oh, I've got to, I've got to give them the best life. I've got to because kids have got to, they've got to learn to spend time on their own. They've got to learn to be bored. They've got to learn to um, be resourceful. Um, and you know, we're fortunate that we've got quite a bit of outside space. So they go and they go and they go and mess around out there, and they've got a treehouse and and all that kind of stuff. Um, the treehouse was the was our first project of the year. Louise and I built that ourselves, um, which uh, was, uh, it worked out all right in the end, but it was it was a, a stretch probably doing it, um, which is, you know, again, one of those things that my business is so important to me, but also the, re- the outs- outside my business life is really important to me. You know, the weekend painting windows, sanding down stuff, putting kitchens in, um, that's the kind of stuff that, you know, keeps me going. If I just had work, I'd be really bored really bored and children are children have got in the way of my um my sporting career you know i had my first child when i was uh 30 nearly 31 and i'm pretty sure i could still have made it to representative international level in something (laughs) i'm shaking my head No. Maybe with some uh, enhancing drugs or something. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, interestingly, wouldn't it be fun if they had? You know how you know you're not allowed to take performance enhancing drugs mm. in the hundred meters or any sport. Wouldn't it be fun if they just had the hundred meters sprint? With with, yeah. Let's see how fast a human being could go. They would probably half of them would probably explode on the line, but it'd be great viewing, be great TV. Um, <laughs> I do remember shouting at the television watching. Um, the whatever it was maybe the olympic final of the 100 meters um when bolt was was he beaten by tyson gay or something and gay had been done for drugs a couple of times i can't remember the exact story but i was shouting at the tv that he was a cheat i wasn't very pleased with it because i'm not really a big fan of um coming back from drugs bans and things like that you know but that's another story i think (laughs) (laughs) so um just how old are your children five and seven and how old is the agency five so you kind of employed people and had children about the same time yeah yeah i set up the business uh uh, two months before my younger child was born and it was wow yeah well it's there's more to it than that because i was working for an agency and I enjoyed it. It was it was good, and it was you know it's my first job since moving up here. Apart from working on a couple of farms just to get you know a bit of money and to experience a bit of life, and I was in, we were fortunate to have sold a house down south and bought one up here, which was significantly less as you might imagine. So I had a bit of a, a buff, buffer. I didn't necessarily need to go straight into a a, a, work, a job, and I worked for an agency and I enjoyed it. And then we had Louise and I had this idea while we were having an extension built on our house while she was pregnant. Oh, we've got this idea that sort of stemmed from the farm. We could, you know, we could use the farm for, 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 for doing something different. And we're like, yes, let's do this. Let's let's get it on, and um, and we will we'll start this project, and I'll run it. And when Louise has uh, had the baby, and assuming everything goes well, you shouldn't make those assumptions. But we were fortunate, and it did. Um, then, and, you know, she'll pick up and come and run things. So Louise is incredibly organised 
incredibly organized um and i'm more creative she's creative too but she's more organized and uh and it was it would have would have worked out really well a few things got in the way a few things happened in that summer which meant that we couldn't do it um it's still on the back burner it's, it would still be a viable project um which is why i'm not talking about it in any great depth um but that was kind of what we we're going to do and in the interim i was just doing a bit of consulting sort of social media stuff for a couple of people i know who ran businesses and um and I was enjoying that. I thought, fine, I can get out and about and I can go to some networking and things like that. And I could probably just about build an agency because I was never, I never sat down and thought, I want to have my own business. Mm, never thought that. I know that some people do. I, you strike me as the kind of chap who wanted to have his own business. Am I right? <laughs> kind of. <laughs> yes, 100%. Yes. <laughs> um, and... Uh, and it just sort of it just kind of crept up on me and i was you know i was enjoying the work and um and then and then uh our younger child was born um louise at the time was doing an agricultural degree so um she'd started doing that when we moved up here she's doing that at rhizome and so we she was managing that and and then and then fred was born um and I was doing the, the Napton Wright thing. And then I did a um, the potato harvest. So I was driving a tractor. I did it the year before. Um, and I was driving a tractor for seven weeks or so, um, which was brilliant. Probably my favourite job. Um, driving a tractor, pulling a trailer full of potato boxes, you know, catching them off the, uh, uh, off the harvester um, in layman's terms. Uh, and I am a layman when it comes to this. Um, and uh, I got a load of time to myself, you know, the radio on in the in the cab um, and uh, just pootling along. You can't go particularly fast. Uh, and that was great. And I got out and about because you're running across fields and, you know, helping out the other drivers and all that kind of stuff. And that was brilliant because um, it combined everything I loved, which is, you know, the outdoors and helping people and listening to stories. And some of those old tractor driver guys were brilliant with stories. Uh, and at the same time, I was running, I was starting to run this kind of, nascent business i suppose and so i was doing that during the day the tractors during the day and then working in the evenings on my business kind of eyes propped open with matchsticks and then you know uh, louise was really good because she kind of took the most of the kind of the childcare stuff but she was exhausted because she was doing her degree project too and 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 farming and, and we had our two-year-old so um it was all sort of uh all hands to the pump um but we kind of came through it and uh, and it kind of gave us quite a good grounding for the business, I think, appreciating how much time it takes and how much work it takes. Because I'd never read business books. I'd never talked to people about business. Um, so you went from work, well, odd jobs effectively, having a child and not doing really any research about starting a business, you just went straight into it. I had had a discussion about, with somebody else who worked in uh, a, a related field, a sort of branding and marketing person about going into business with them but that we, we decided to knock that on the head that was probably um early 2014 and we started the business mid 2014 and uh yeah I, di I didn't do any research about it I just sort of got going because it wasn't really planned it was sort of I'm going to leave this agency you know thank you very much had a good time um we're going to go and do something with the farm now um and uh yeah it was it just, just kind of fell into it. Yeah, it grew on me. So whilst we started the business 
2014 probably didn't really get going to early, early 2015 um yeah it was it was a difficult few months but again you know you take what you can from these experiences and, and you learn from it and and you enjoy it and you know things go on from there and i think if i hadn't started the business then it probably would have only started a couple of years ago i would have, you know you'd find a reason to say oh no no i'll wait till you know he's 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 a year old i wait till he's two years old I'll, you know i'll do do the safe thing um, and because we lived at that time maybe 10 miles from the farm 12 miles from the farm it was awkward for louise going back and forth if she had to go to the farm for half an hour it would be a full you know couple of hours out um, because she'd end up kind of faffing about a bit there and doing a bit more work. Faffing about's not very kind. That she <laughs> <laughs> she'd do some more more work than the half an hour piece of work. Um, do you uh, think you enjoy the challenge of the business back then or now? Mm. It just sounds like that. You had a lot going on. Yeah, which wasn't really my usual way. I was pretty kind of happy doing what I was doing, and you know sport and and friends and things like that um i'd never really it was it's a bit like being back in the early facebook days just thrown into something i didn't really know what was happening and just trying to work out what's going on because you met you know i guess in the early days for you when you were networking with people you you meet people who've been in the game a lot longer and who had a lot more experience and who had ideas that they try and foist onto you i suppose and you have to pretty quickly learn how to kind of sort out the interesting stuff from the nonsense and the number of networking meetings you go to where people are just selling 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 and that, that you know i thought well, what's going on here because i'd never networked before i'd only ever been when you know when when we're in london you'd go to the pub because no one drives and gets a train or cycles or you know gets a bus or something and your networking would be done in the bar you'd go and you know hang out with your agency clients you'd hang out with your clients and it would be great because you'd build relationships with them or you know you'd you'd meet people from another agency and you'd talk about a bit of work about how you could maybe collaborate and then have a few drinks and talk about the you know the rugby or the cricket or whatever and a bit about them and uh and that was how it happened and that's because I suppose I didn't need to network. There's no no need for it. And then it was a bit of a shock when I realised that there were such things as BNI. Um, <laughs> yeah, very different than being <laughs> in the pub. Yeah, yeah. So what is it like now versus five years ago? It's it's hectic in a different way because, as you will know, when you have a small business that is still trying to find its feet in many ways, even after best part of five years you're still trying to find your feet you're still changing you're still evolving you're still learning and you, you know people always say you never stop learning yeah but the learning curve at the beginning is much steeper and then it kind of flattens off a bit and then then it ramps up again and the difficulty i found was that i was used to running teams i was used to managing people i was used to doing my job and i was re- used to managing um sports teams <clears throat> But I wasn't used to doing the finance and, you know, maintaining the website and um, and doing the sales side of things. And I'm perfectly happy doing the sales side of things. That's that's absolutely fine. 
but doing everything all at once and and organizing yourself to do things well then i had all these great plans i'm gonna you know know everybody i meet and put it onto this excel spreadsheet and i think that probably fell away after about day five um and <laughs> much, soon. much to my <laughs> yeah, much to my annoyance in hindsight um but the challenges now are very different because we the first initially the challenges were can we do this and now we can do this but can we do it bigger can we do it better? Can we do it more efficiently? And the answer to all those things is yes. The, the place where we find ourselves you know, geographically in Brig, in northern Lincolnshire, you know, people say, why are you there? Well, the reason is the farm is nearby and we live pretty much next to the farm. And nothing that's not going to change. We're not moving out of our house. I'm not commuting to Leeds. I've done commuting to a city. I don't mind going a couple of times a week for meetings, but I'm not joining the rat race again. Um, I wouldn't. I'd love to have offices in, you know, sort of satellite offices in you know, Sheffield, Leeds, um, Manchester, Newcastle. That'd be wonderful, because I'd love to go to those places because they're full of they're vibrant places and they're full of really interesting people. But um, you know, the challenges that we face now are are keeping it going you know you build that sort of build relationships with people and you've got to maintain them you've got you know i'm an absolute bugger for forgetting people's name or or, you know, or where i've met somebody and i really do try try hard but i can never i can sometimes sometimes i have a ridiculous memory where i remember someone's brother's birthday who's who i went to school with and how old they are but I can't remember where I met somebody, um, you know, maybe a year ago. And that's incredibly frustrating. I think I probably need to work harder on that. But, the, yeah, the challenge is, again, as you will understand, um, is is keeping it going. Because you, when you've got to a certain point, you have to ensure that the revenue is coming in just to break even. And, and that's, you know, that's a, that's a challenge. Uh, and then you've got to grow it. And the whole, you know, people always talk about, particularly in sort of agencies and um, and professional services, with the, you know, filling the bath with the plug uh, out. You know, there's always going to be some churn in some ways, some sort of um, throughput of, of of clients and things like that, of work. You know, your projects and things will come to an end, and you've got to go and find more projects. And while you're doing the finding, you're managing people and making sure that you know that they're doing as well as they can do on i you know i'd like to be able to mentor the guys more um or at least just talk to them share my experiences with them because i I think that will be interesting for them to learn the good and the bad and i do try to do that a fair bit but not not enough not enough at all Um, so just down to time uh well everybody has the same amount of time don't they so i hate that that saying (laughs) been told it so many times <laughs> yeah. it, everyone's got 24 hours a day or, <clears throat> or even worse they'll give you the number of minutes in a day and yeah <laughs> i get that that's you know constant yeah. but yeah. we're we're but, not talking about the same thing there's definitely some people seem to get more out of a day than others well just so, naturally because they're either more energetic or you know i think one of the things that you said earlier that i have had problems with that have delayed things is that overthinking 
you uh you said you're a bit of an overthinker i i definitely have the same thing so where you've got i think making decisions faster throughout a day would would yeah. solve a lot of problems yeah but that comes with experience again doesn't it and mm. you you know you thinking back to the, my um military friend you know they get conditioned to make decisions based on what they've experienced before and you know i think the human brain is an amazing piece of kit you know driving here this evening i've driven past admittedly not that many cars um but i've seen their number plates it's gone in through my eyes into my brain could i tell you any of them no but it's in there somewhere and you should be able to pull it out because i've seen it so why why is it cast aside why have i decided it's not important and if somebody you know if the police came to me and said uh did you see this uh skoda octavia uh that went off at the uh i don't know the immingham junction or something i don't know um uh what was its number plate because we think it was doing something up to no good i don't know i don't know but i saw it i was following it for ages um so that the human brain is amazing and but it, it absorbs everything in your life and then enables you to make decisions based on that and i think that you know when people sort of lose their keys because they can't remember where they put them well their brain knows where they've put them and suddenly they'll have a a moment and go ah this is where it is and they'll go and find it because the brain knew all along (laughs) and it was just stringing you along i hate that yeah making you just look like an absolute wally especially Um, when your wife's like have you checked your coat no no, it's not in my (laughs) coat pocket i I wasn't wearing my coat and then she goes and checks and it's there i think that's because she's put it there yeah maybe um (laughs) but yeah you know and 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 and, and running a business is the same. You've got to absorb everything that you've ever done. Stuff I've learned on the hockey pitch from coaches, you know, that teach you how to respond to situations when you're playing sports. You know, everything that feeds into you, who you are helps you make those decisions either more quickly or more slowly as depending on what, what's necessary and take certain paths. Um, sometimes I wish I listened to myself a bit more and took more time to actually sit in a chair and go, right, what am I going to do today? Or more importantly, what am I going to do tomorrow? You know, at the end of the day, I'll make a list of things that, you know, maybe write three or four client names down on a piece of, you know, I have these A3 pads on my desk, write a few things down that I need to do with a kind of a prompt word, and then that's that. Well, actually, if I could just, if I decided to spend 10 minutes at the end of the day, just going, right, this is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to achieve. And I'm going to put everything to one side. You always get um, uh, curveballs that come in. You always get phone calls and things like that. But if you could be more considered in what you do, that's the ideal world though, isn't it? But I think it's possible. Yeah. Um, and I do think, I think things like, whilst I don't practice it, things like meditation. And I used to love the agency I worked at in London, TBG, they would they'd pay for yoga teachers to come in at lunch times, you know, hour of yoga, um, and then you know back to the back to the office, and it was just fantastic. You know, you'd feel refreshed. You'd been in there with your teammates, um, and you just got an hour to do physical stuff, but also just think things through and really just relax and um, and process what you'd what you'd seen, what you'd been thinking about. That was really good. I really enjoy that. But I just, I don't make the time for it now because they're just rushing around too much. How do you relax? You've uh, had a stressful day. I don't know that, I don't know that I ever consciously 
go and relax because I don't consider myself to if I get if I get stressed or, or I don't really get worked up about things if I get if something has bothered me during the day it will disappear I, I don't I don't bear a grudge against a day because it's not worth it you know you, you get a certain amount of time on the earth and there's no point wasting an evening being annoyed about what's happened during the day be annoyed and then forget about it is generally how I approach these things but when it comes to relaxing I just I set up the business so that I could spend a not so that so I could spend more time with the family I could have a better kind of um, family balance and so that I could do more sport you know go out on my bike run more I love running with the dog the dog gets really angry if I go for a bike ride because she can't come with me <laughs> I can see it. You know, she gives me the eyes. Um, and so that's kind of what I would do to relax. But I don't I don't do enough of that. Um, yeah, but I'd like to do more. But I don't I don't you know, I don't do computer games and I don't. Um, there's nothing that I would say. Right, I'm going to go and I'm going to go and relax now. I'm going to go and put my feet up. If I put my feet up at home, I then take them down again and go and do something. Oh, okay, so you're a uh, you've got busy hands. You've got to be doing something. Yeah, because otherwise I'm just sitting staring at it. This is why I don't like working from home, because I can look up and I think, oh, I've got to do that. Oh, I've got to do that. Right, uh, I'm going to go into the office. <laughs> then, I, then I'm not going to get distracted. I, it's not really that. Yeah, I suppose I do. I just like doing it though. And I, my dad is is excellent at uh, at DIY really good and I should really learn more from him and I do try to but he's much better at the preparation side of things I just like to get in there and get like yeah let's 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 paint this let's build that and woo and uh and sometimes I think then to kind of have to reel it back and go probably should have thought this through a bit more which is bizarre because it kind of conflicts with my thinker uh I suppose reflective approach to to life you remind me of my mother. She's uh, she's not one for sitting down and watching TV and relaxing. <laughs> Put her feet up for five minutes and then she's like, oh, I've just got to go and do this and yeah. do that and pot around the house, find something to do, something to clean. No, We always used to say, just have a night off. Yeah, well, no, I don't, I don't, occasionally I'll sit and watch a film with Louise or, or something on TV, but... Um, I don't I don't watch a lot of TV. I like we, we, I tend to I enjoy dramas and things like this stuff which you know take you away or um make you think escapism um, stuff. Yeah, and then also I like some nonsense too. I mean, first dates or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> but that's cuz it's I like the human interaction. I like I sort of think well it'd be quite fun to go on that. And and Louise says, oh yeah, it'd be quite fun for you to come. <laughs> quite interesting. Um, I'm not sure they they allow it just for that, but um, yeah. So I don't really know. What do you do to relax? Uh, <laughs> it's hard for me to answer at the minute. I don't get much time with a nearly two year old. Mm. Um, I find the balancing act between work and um, home life has got harder. Not harder because of having a child, but just harder because you have to dedicate more time to it. Yeah. So I've always been, I've always found it hard to switch off from work. I am 
one of those people that just constantly thinks about it. I was today, I was going to have a day off mm-hmm. with Murphy and Kirsty, and I just couldn't help but get my phone out, check some emails, <laughs> respond to the team about some stuff, and it was just like, what am I doing? Yeah. Um, so I do kick myself a lot. How do you balance work and family? Uh, do you have a very clear divide that when you're with family, it's no work and vice versa? Or no, is it fluid. Badly, I manage it badly. And um, my wife's similar, but her her work is so intertwined with life, home life, because it because of the farm. And you know, she can get a call from a grain lorry at any time of morning, evening, whatever it might be, and just to nip down. Or you know, a guest has a problem at the or a question or something at the the old granary um she needs to go and deal with it um uh, you know uh we've made that decision so we made conscious decisions one was to move away from uh the south up to lincolnshire uh knowing that it would be an uncertain step the farm is there, great. It can't support three families, as in my father-in-law and his wife, Louise and me, and Louise's sister and her family. Um, you know, it can't go from supporting Paul and his wife to then suddenly three. Um, it does, you know, businesses don't work like that. Um, so we have to come up with different ideas, and, and that's, I think, where Nats and Wright came into it. But we don't... I'm trying much harder i don't like the word trying because i'd rather just do but i'm trying much more to you know if i if i am having a day off i'm having a day off the children are all at the point now where they you know they they just want your time i mean children always just want your time until they get to about 13 and then i think they want you to go away (laughs) Uh, and i don't want to get to that point you know you talk to some parents of 13 year olds and they say oh enjoy it when they're younger oh yeah okay yeah you enjoy it when they're coming in at two in the morning i've had a bad dream um (laughs) uh and so um i do try to you know hide all things to do with work although certainly my my daughter uh when she they go on the computers at work at work at school and she comes home and says uh i found napton right on the internet um and i found the old granary and i saw mummy's picture and i saw your picture and all this sort of stuff. And I think that's really sweet. And just before I came here this evening, she'd made, she'd taken one of our, of these A3 pads with our logo and stuff on. And she'd taken it and made a kind of a pretty picture out of it. And she said, that's for the office, daddy. And I thought, oh, that's really sweet. Um, she doesn't really know what I do, I don't suppose, but she knows that I do lots of different things. And But it is it is hard to uh, separate yourself from another. And I'm, I'm, I have some friends who are very good at it they don't own their own business but that shouldn't really be an excuse because work stops when work stops um if i start replying to clients at nine o'clock at night well that sets the tone doesn't it and i should stop doing that um which is why i quite like the email function where you can schedule it to send in the morning yeah Um, that is a godsend yeah yeah um, (laughs) someone showed me that and i was like oh this is amazing (laughs) so i think the other night i was I was sat, we were watching TV and it wasn't something very good. Um, but the wife was enjoying it. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to try and uh, switch it over. So I thought I'll, I'll get my phone out and just start to, yeah. okay, I've, I've thought of that client, I'm going to send this message. And then I'm about to hit send and you think, ah, 
Mm. No, it's like nine at night. I'll I'll schedule it for mo- the morning at eight a.m. Yeah. And then the next morning, I had so many replies at like ten past eight, and I was like, God, everyone's <laughs> in early. And then I realised, oh yeah, I must have sent twenty-five emails to schedule <laughs> at eight a.m. this morning. Yeah. Which is why so many people are replying. It's excellent. So it's great, yeah. apart from the re- the inbox overload you'll get mm. the next day. Yeah, but that's okay. I mean, if yeah. But I do, I, I do like to cut down on emails. I'd much rather talk to people. It's not always possible. I'm 50-50. Yeah. Um, I don't know about you, but I found trying to speak to a lot of clients, you ring them and you get a lot of gatekeeper syndrome where, oh, he, he's busy, he'll ring you back, can I take a message, what's it about? Um, so many clients are super busy, but you send them an email and uh, they'll normally ring you or, or just reply really quick. Mm. Yeah. So it almost it's like, you know, like when someone, uh, when you text someone and then they ring you back, are you the type of person that's like, why are you not just texting me back? Why are you calling? <laughs> it depends what it's about. So my mother, again, I'm going to mention her, but she's she's really bad for it. You send her a very quick me- message on uh, text or WhatsApp and she'll always ring you back. Mm. Um, and you almost get like, oh, God, why are you ringing me? It's just, just send me a quick reply. So I think maybe clients are doing the same thing. Yeah, possibly. I, I think that um, uh, you can, I don't know, well, yeah. So my view is that if you, client servicing is important, at least if you've shown that you're making the effort to ring somebody, as long as the you know, the PA or the colleague or whatever passes on the message, then at least you're showing willing, you know, it's, I feel it's all too easy just to bang out emails and you end up having a conversation over email and that's just nonsense. And I, I try to instill in the guys on the, my team that you shouldn't be you shouldn't be spending six emails going back and forth trying to arrange a 10 o'clock meeting. If you need to arrange something like that, ring them and get them to look at their calendar and then, you know, and then organise it there and then. Mm. And if they're not available, then they'll tell you. Um, so, and then, you know, I'm perfectly happy if if, if someone rings me and I'm in the middle of something, I'm perfectly happy to say, look, I've got, you know, I'm in the middle of something now, can I give you a call back? Scribble it down and then ring them back. Um, I just, I wish email would clear off sometimes. It's it's a pain. It's useful, but it's also a pain. Um, and it also, you know, I, I want to use my phone less, which everybody says, um, and very few people actually do. Uh, it's, it's, it is, I mean, I love information. So I love just, oh yeah, I'll just find that out. You know, I was on the way here, I was listening to something. No, it wasn't on the way here. It doesn't matter when it was. Um, and they talked about somebody and they said, oh, he's tall. And I was like, I wonder how tall he is. And I thought, I can't look it up now because I'm driving. <laughs> so that's frustrating. Um, I'll, I'll think about it when I get there. And when I got there, no, I didn't think about it. And does it matter? No, it doesn't matter at all. But it's just information that I like to know. <laughs> um, and I, uh, yeah, it frustrates Louise sometimes because I'll... Uh, I'll think about something and I'll and I'll then look it up. And I, you know, if I retained everything that I looked up, I'd be just so knowledgeable. But and sometimes I look something up and think oh, I've looked this up before and I've forgotten the answer to it. <laughs> I'm empty. Um, Is yeah. there anything in business that you wish you you knew that you don't know now? Uh. Well, I don't know because, <laughs> because I don't know what. Or I don't anything know. you wish you were better at? <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I would like to be better 
at organising my time. And something I, I, I wish I'd been better at in the early days was saying no to stuff. Um, because, but then actually, everything I've done in my life has got me to this point. Or everything I haven't done. Everything I have and haven't done has got me to this point. So if I had done something differently, would I be here sitting talking to you? Or would I be stuck in a job I didn't like, in a, a house that was too expensive, you know, somewhere I didn't really want to be, you know, head down, shuffling to work? I don't know. Um, so, yeah, I guess, I guess a time, organising my time better, saying no to stuff that really didn't go anywhere, um, trusting my judgment more. Um, so uh, yeah, and, and I think I think that's just something that you learn with age, with responsibility, with practice. I'm amazed that some people who are considerably younger than me uh, have the confidence and the ability to to run businesses, and I applaud them because at the age of 22, there was no chance that I was going to set up and run a business because I was too busy messing around <laughs> um, and living in London and and enjoying all the sort of the stuff that came with that which again has helped me be who I am the difficulty I have sometimes is that uh, when I was forging the early stages of my career and working all the hours you know the the, the old work hard play hard thing you know you'd, you'd go in you know when I came in here to this evening one of your guys was was beavering away and that reminded me of you know my days working in the agency. You know, you work until the project's done. You don't get paid overtime. This is just the job. You, and then you know the next day, maybe you'll go to the pub at two o'clock in the afternoon, have some beers to celebrate the end of a project or something. You know, it, that's the kind of the flexibility, the sort of ebb and flow of of um, of work. And that's not necessarily something that you see in rural parts so people they get in their cars and they go home and that's you think uh right okay um and you can't force people to stay and i'm lucky that the people who work for me you know and as i'm sure work for you and many other businesses they do put the extra effort in and they will work until something's finished but i really miss being in an agency of 20, 30 people on a team, everybody kind of burning the midnight oil, pizzas, beers, thrashing ideas around, and that happens too little. Um, so, but would you do it now with the family? Um, I Yes, but not all the time. It would be an irregular thing. Hmm. Because actually, some people say, you know, in fact, I've been guilty of saying... Um, Oh, yeah, my family kids got in the way of me playing sport well actually I should have played more sport when I was younger if, if that was the case you know I should have spent more days playing more evenings whatever um, because I do want to spend time with my children with my family I would uh, I'd love to spend more time with them I'm really really lucky that you know kids sports day I can be there uh, double uh, double champion in uh, the men's races yeah, two, <laughs> two, two years on the, on the what, trot. Which race? Uh, Egg and Spoon. Last year, last year it was just a, a running race, which is it's quite difficult. What? To, just they just got the parents just to run. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I've never so, seen that. Well, yeah, well, 
This is no. a very competitive school if they're just doing normal sports yeah, for the adults. It's a really, it's a really small school, eighty odd children, and they uh, have, their running track is on a, a hill. So you start off running up a hill, and then you go around the top, and then down the hill, and then back up, and the finish line is at the top of the hill. And and I was I'm I'm competitive, but I don't let on. Um, and uh, I realised by saying that that I'm letting on. But you know, in the in the moment, I'm not like you know, kind of raring to go inside. Absolutely want to win, but I just don't let on. Um, and so I was there. I was like, all right, okay, let's uh, eye up the uh, competitors. And there's one guy who's about 22, and I thought he has not got children in this school. What's he doing there? And <laughs> you know, apparently, it's not a parents' race; it's just an adults' race. And so ran. And coming into the the final straight, I wasn't in the lead. I thought oh, I have to catch that guy, so I put the afterburners on. Um, fortunately, having long legs helps, um, and the guy tired, and I overtook him. Uh, apparently, it's not it's not the done thing to celebrate at the end, <laughs> which is what <laughs> I did. Uh, and then this year, it was an, they they said we're not having a, a straight running race because it got too competitive. At which point everyone was up in arms. Oh, oh no! They tried to make us do a skipping race, forgetting that the, the ropes are too short. The women had done the skipping race. My wife won that, so you know, yeah. one in the bag, ka-ching. Um And uh, we did egg and spoon, and uh, yeah, I I ended up winning. But I think that's just by fortune more than anything. Thumb on the egg. Yeah, but I have a, a history of uh, when my daughter was at nursery. They had a, a kind of a parents uh, race at their kids at the sports day thing, and I wasn't massively keen to get involved because it was you know a bit odd quite a small course around a bush kind of thing and I was just like right I don't really want to get involved in this and I'd happily chap, clap away and I could see my daughter just looking at me going are you going to run daddy I thought ah, right I'll do this that's fine and so I kind of trotted off gently with everybody and you know wasn't really pushing for it because I didn't need to because if I without meaning to be ridiculous about it if I had just run as fast as I could I would run one and it would I would look like a real idiot like competitive dad who's that loser so I kind of trotted and then someone next to me was getting really competitive and, and she started running really hard. So I was like, right, what I'll do is I'll run at the finish line, stop, let her win. And then, you know, oh, that's fine. Yeah, a bit of fun. Hey. Um, but what happened was I ran at the finish line. She ran at the finishing line to try and catch up with me. I stopped and she didn't realise that it was the end and carried on running, went straight into a bush. <laughs> and it's like, head, like a comic book straight head first into a bush like feet dangling out and what i thought I, I didn't really think i thought i've got to this is kind of down to me i've got to help here so i went in and this woman was quite small and i just picked her up like i was picking up a child um got her out of the bush and then just got to put her on the ground uh, beside the bush and then kind of dusted my hands and Are you okay and then walked off and i could see everybody just looking at who who's that weird guy because I'm relatively tall, I just it must look like some kind of monster. <laughs> and it looked like I pushed her into the bush <laughs> because it looked like I just waited and then just shoved her in. Um, and it made for an interesting conversation when she turned up to my son's uh, or my daughter, I can't remember which, birthday party with their child and her partner who eyed me up rather suspiciously when I went over <laughs> to say, oh, thanks very much for coming. Um, and, and she was like, oh, yeah, hi, yeah. And I, I said, you know, we should have a race, <laughs> uh, at which point her face is absolutely blank. <laughs> and her partner looked at me with 
with dagger eyes. I don't know how we got on talking about that, but anyway. It was a good story. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Push someone in a bush yeah. if they were going to beat you in a race. That's what I made from that. Yeah. <laughs> it's not bad to be competitive. I think um, no. I think a lot of people in business are competitive. Business owners, it just naturally spurs yeah. them into it. As long as you're competitive in the right way. There is no point in being, I don't think, in being as competitive in competitive in the same way in business as you are in sport because in sport it really matters when you're competing in you know team situation against the other team you've got to be better than them and you've mm. got to beat them whereas if you are running one business and there is a similar business nearby you don't have to beat them because at the end of it it's all about what you do yeah i get that but then i don't i don't necessarily think that being competitive means you have to be com- competitive with competitors no no good point it, yeah so um for me it's always about um the competition against myself yeah so a lot of the time we would set targets and i would try and beat that target be very competitive against it, and the next target would be slightly more mm-hmm. so every year we've we're trying to up the ante and it's always well, if we don't do better than we did before i mean in theory that's still good if you if you had a hundred years of consistently you mm. know same turnover, same profit. That most people would say that's good, but I would always be like, "Well, we did that last year, so let's push yeah. it forward." So I'm, I'm kind of the believer where I have done team sports, but I've always done sports where I'm more in my own head, battling against myself, mm. and that has spurred me on in business. Do you do that with your own business, with your own team? Do they have targets? Do you have targets that you try and beat? Yes and no. So we set relatively loose targets. Um, and again, that's it's something that I've toyed with and then moved away from because people get focused on the wrong thing then in the size of business that we are. Um, the service, if everyone's delivering the best service and being really interested in the work that they're doing, interested in the client's, interested in driving the business forward then the numbers will naturally come with it yeah i've heard that as well yeah but you've I got just, you've got I to just, have some kind of benchmark I think. yeah i'm all i always need something to aim for mm. that goal yeah agreed uh, but but my goals are more life focused so what i'd like to be able to do is you know um take an amount of money out of the business that means that i can put a new heating system into the house or uh you know, be able to, what what I'd like to do is just say, right, I'm having two days off every month and I'm not going to do anything to do with the work and, and I'm not going to feel regret about that. If I did that now, I would feel uncomfortable about it. Um, Why is that? Because I'd feel like actually, you know, those you know, 24 days in a year plus bank holidays plus any other holiday that I wanted to take, I could have moved the business forward more. But then you think, well, actually... Do those downtime days enable you to move the business on at the pace that you want to? Don't know. But I do believe that I don't. I would like to take more time off to reinvigorate myself because sometimes I just get too into it and can't see the wood for the trees, which is. And, and you know, when I, I guess if if I were looking at what you were doing, and then you were looking at what I was doing in work. You'd be like, "Wow, what, what, are you, what are you doing going down that rabbit warren? You know, pull yourself out and do that." And, but when you're in it, it takes 
experience, knowledge, and or an exceptional person to go, ah, yeah, I've absolutely, I'm, I'm doing the wrong thing here. Stop. Let's take that new path. And you learn that, and you you get to you get to choose the the right path earlier. Um, but uh, yeah, I think those kind of targets would be more my focus mm. um i'm not really interested i am interested but you know businesses that say we've increased turnover by 50 percent this year I'm like, well all right <laughs> all right and also i you know i find it so my when i went to university when i went to london my mum told me afterwards that she worried that i'd get into disagreements with people because i'm because of my moral standpoint on things i'm pretty kind of black and white on right and wrong and uh she thought that i might see something that i thought was shouldn't be happening or someone shouldn't say and i might stand up to them about it not in a confrontational way just sort of say hang on i don't think you should be doing that and then they would not necessarily be quite so relaxed in their response and that would get me in trouble. It, it never has. And um, yeah, and I, I just can't imagine it It will because, you know, maybe I just, I look too soft. So people are I'm not even going to bother with that guy. So um, yeah, and I can't remember where I was going with this, but, but it's, um, I think when you, when I see businesses shouting and screaming from the rooftops about absolute guff that really i just think what is that what are they doing sometimes i'll let it get to me internally and or i'll say something to louise oh god you see that guy what is he on about why is he bothering doing that and louise will say yeah what a pile of nonsense but just focus on your own stuff yeah fine good advice good advice um and i you know i i give myself that advice I should imagine that you know you see that too, you, you, and you sort of think, well, it makes absolutely no difference to my life, really, whether they do that or not. It, the difference is if I waste time thinking about it, yeah. but then I use it as a as a as a, a spur to remind my team how we like our business to be portrayed, and how we like ourselves to be portrayed, and you know, effectively let's not do that let's do this well to to um to bring sport into it it's um going and looking looking at competitors and getting wound is exactly what they do in boxing you know to they show themselves doing training and all this stuff to try and intimidate the person that they're gonna be punching in the face in a couple weeks time um and if you look at all the greats getting in someone's head never works out well for the person you know who loses it's normally because not physical it's more Mm. mental so i I, i've got up and down on that whole thing of looking too much at competitors and looking at the market you know you pick 20 competitors and try and figure out what they're doing and what you're not doing and yeah and then you just kind of get overwhelmed so i gave up i just was like stuff it whatever (laughs) they're doing they can do and i'm going to do things the way i want to do it and just not having the energy wasted on looking at what they're doing really did help 
and I, it, you go through phases like when we're looking at rebranding or doing a website and stuff you go out and look at the company oh i didn't know they were doing that oh mm-hmm. i need to find out more about this yeah and then i just think well that's not what we were going to do anyway why would i yeah. why should our plans change yeah stick to the plan and we've always been good at, at that so if we have a if we have come up with a plan and a strategy when we follow it it works well but when we start it and then start deviating down you know a slightly different path because something else has changed yeah and it's it, never, it just either yeah. takes forever or you end up coming back to what you were going to do anyway yeah. so I, I tend to not pay attention but it, it's harder now with LinkedIn and Instagram and Twitter and all, all the different social media platforms where pretty much wherever you go someone's you know you see something um, how much time do you spend on social media do, to act do you see a lot or do you have to go searching for this? No, how much? That's a good question because I like to keep in touch with my friends. Um, and so, you know, Facebook, Instagram, useful for that. I like to see fun ad campaigns. So, I, I, you know, I log on and, and have a look at those bits and pieces now and then. Um, more and more recently, I've been consciously you know i'll pick up my phone and i'll go i'll be about to tap on one of the social media icons and i go actually i'm not i'm not looking for anything now i'm just browsing why am i doing it and i want to i actually would like to you know be more structured in that you know i'll have a look at it at this time of day but then forget about it until another i'm not going to look at it at the same time every day um then the old algorithms will get me but the but you know i'd I enjoy LinkedIn because on there I'm connected to some wonderful people who share some really interesting stuff, things that I can learn from, things that make me think, you know, people share ad campaigns they've seen. And more and more, I'm muting out the nonsense, the stuff that I really don't have any interest in. I don't mute it all because sometimes I want to learn from it. I want to look at that and think, Wow, if that's how I'm looking at this, how are people looking at me? And I don't mind how people are looking at me. And what I mind about is how people are looking at the business. As you know, as I said, I've got this responsibility to the team, to my 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 stakeholders, I suppose, uh, which include my family, I guess. Um, so I tend not to spend a huge amount of time on there. The odds, you know. I go. I go on social media every day. I'd say um, once a day. No, not one. I don't know. I don't have any structure to it whatsoever. You know, I certainly don't wake up first thing in the morning, look at my phone, and see what people are doing. I'm not interested in that. I, I had to. Uh, I had to rein it in a couple of years, but before children, where it was, um, you go to bed, you're in bed you're uh-huh. on social media. You wake up first thing in the morning, you're on social media. Yeah, and that. That was a worry. That's a bit like smoking and having a fag yeah. last thing at night. It, was an, it is addiction. You know, yeah. They are... <clears throat> well, so, was it people at Facebook, fairly high up or something, came out and the, there's some press about it, like they don't let their kids yeah. on stuff because they know it's so addictive. Because it makes the brain feel good, doesn't mm. it? It's like food that you like and things like that, things that you like doing. You get addicted to it and if you can't control it, you can't control it. I'd, I turn my phone off 20 minutes or so before I go to bed put it other side of the room um uh and then i when i wake up in the morning 
go and walk the dog or something and then I'll turn it on and um so you go completely like uncontactable off the grid for while night. you're asleep yeah because because Louise leaves her phone on for business reasons you know if, if you know, she needs to be contacted by someone at the, the, the accommodation um she leaves it on and people can always contact her nobody who needs to get in touch with me does not have her phone number um, and we do have a landline in the house, but uh, I think we'd all be surprised if that rang. A landline, wow. Yeah, a landline. <laughs> well, we live in you know, the rural part of Lincolnshire, and we need to have a landline that, you know, for broadband purposes. It's a blast from the past. Yeah. <laughs> so, with you being in social media marketing, yeah, wouldn't be a very good podcast if I didn't ask you what the what you thought the future of social media marketing was the the past the present and the future of social media is always going to be people and how people interact with each other online offline if people start wearing um, virtual reality glasses and interacting in that way then social media will go down that route or maybe social media will lead us down that route who knows Um, but I think There's not, I don't think anything wild is going to happen for the foreseeable. I think we're in a period of time where so much has changed in 20 years so quickly that I'm not sure that in the next 20 years there'll be the same surprise. But when you, so when you started working at Facebook, was it purely college-based or were they opening it up to the they'd opened it up the year before so it'd been very early days yeah and maybe two years before did you think yeah, then it would be what it is now yes because of blake because of uh zuckerberg because of sandberg all those people you you listen to them speak and it wasn't you know it's not a cult or anything like that but you really believed in them because they presented it in such a fashion that you thought, actually, that's pretty logical. And you didn't necessarily, well, I didn't necessarily foresee the security issues and things like that. But I, um, I yeah, so I, I did think it would be a sort of a global phenomenon. And I did think there'd be a lot of other platforms that came from it simply because it made sense. Why wouldn't you want to connect with somebody? Why wouldn't you want to connect with brands that are important to you? You know, to the point where why wouldn't you want to log into your banking via Facebook? Why wouldn't you want to? In the US, you know, Zuckerberg talks about logging into your healthcare and all your employee benefits and everything that you have to do. Why wouldn't you use Facebook as the portal to the internet that, that logged you into that why not you know a bit like using google chrome or something as a browser to go in why wouldn't you just go to facebook and then um and then do everything from that one point well obviously because people aren't like that and people want to do different things and people are distrustful but quite rightly so in many ways uh so i'm i'm I really i really don't know where social media is going to go I mean, I think that social media as a, as a term is a nonsense. And I think it's really just media. It's just online, isn't it? And it's just, it reflects what people do. 
ordinarily they talk to each other they share stuff they tell stories they're vocal about things they make stuff up they brag they i don't know they get upset they criticize they complain they share brilliant things which actually aren't they're just a snap snapshot you know i might sit next to you not knowing you very well and you could tell me something wonderful about your summer because that's what you want to share with me and actually you could have had five weeks of hell and one week of just you know a lovely week you're not going to tell me about the five weeks of hell because that's you know not what you want to share so um i i I guess i'll be interested to see where it goes how much of a role ai plays in um in our engagement with the internet with technology i love i'd love to have wearable technology that is um much more intelligent than it is at the moment i'd love to be able to to know i'd love to have something that told me when i was getting a cold so i could drink more water eat more oranges and sort myself out get more sleep you know if something could learn about me more than i already knew from a physiological point of view and tell me what I needed to know, then brilliant, I'd love that. Um, I'm not sure that I necessarily want them sharing it, sharing with sharing that information with those of other people, but hey ho, as long as it's telling me, I don't mind. Yeah, it knows you're gonna get a cold and then you get like loads of ads for <laughs> yeah. cold and flu medicine all around. But what's wrong with that? Because that's gonna help me, isn't it? This is what I mean about you know people. You went to me. bed last night and you had trouble with your missus and then the next day Viagra pills everyone. That, <laughs> that's probably where people start getting a little bit like Mm. yes <laughs> yes um but yeah i well, i think this is why i love advertising because it leads you it leads you into stuff that sometimes you don't know that you want or stuff that you actually do know that you want but you didn't you didn't know quite how or when you wanted it you know if you're talking to somebody about a ski holiday and then you get a load of ads for ski deals well what's the bad about that the, the bad thing is potentially the intrusiveness or the fact that someone might be selling your data to somebody else. Well, that is bad. But if it enriches your experience, you, know, you listen to radio ads on Lynx FM or something like that. You get ads for um, local oil providers, you know, um, you get or fuel, sorry, you get ads for local farm shops and all that kind of stuff. Well, that's targeted locally and is interesting it's not targeted to you per se but wouldn't it be better if you were driving along in your car and you had dab radio and you were driving past somewhere or towards somewhere and it said there's a petrol station in uh in in you know, two miles or there's a you know come to the the hungry hippo pub you know it's five minutes away it's great for kids that would be ace because you'd have to look up less stuff but um as long as people only knew it from a, a base level. So, you know, Facebook's targeting and you know, they're not telling them necessarily about me. They're just telling them about a male in a certain area of a certain age doing certain things and it learns your habits. So you get served stuff that's interesting to you. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I did. I remember once being in a doing a pitch to an agency and um, then you know, a woman in the room put her hand up and said, all I get from you lot, being Facebook, is ads about weight loss and dating. Um, and it's really doing my nut. I said, well, 
um, <laughs> what, what else have you got in your Facebook profile? And she said, nothing. I'm not telling them anything. I'm not telling you anything. And I said, well, if, that's, if, if all Facebook's got to go on is your age and your gender, then it's, and, and you, you know, you've put that you're single. Well, that's all, it, that's, that's the answer it's going to serve you because it knows that people who, you know, that females respond to weight loss ads and females respond to dating ads and things. That's not me saying that they do. That's just, it's algorithms telling them that and also research in other advertising. I'm not advocating that, by the way. Um, and she, she was, you know, she hated me because of it, I think. Yeah. Um, you were than, Facebook at that point. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the other thing that used to happen when I went to uh, um, meetings as Facebook is that I'd sit down and they'd say, our, um, our AV isn't working. Can you just have a look at it? Like, what do you mean? So, well, you know, you work at Facebook. Can you not come and fix this? You can fix our laptops. Like, no, I, I work at Facebook in their, you know, their marketing team. I'm not... I'm not a techie and I can't fix these things. And they, people would be genuinely disappointed because they think, you know, Facebook's a tech company. <laughs> um, but it's not really a tech company, is it? It's just, it's a software company that builds software. Well, what do they classify themselves as? Uh, it, they're, not, they're not publishers, they're clusters. <laughs> I don't know now. Because so, there's some weird classification thing yeah. about that determines what they get taxed and yeah. some, yeah, well, <laughs> what their liability is. <laughs> Let's not get into that. Um yeah. Well, I was, in, I was having a conversation with someone the other day about tech companies. And actually, a lot of them aren't making technology, are they? Not really. They're just doing ideas and they're, they're uh, you know, building websites. It's not really technology. Building a driverless car, that's technology. But, or the implication, the implementation. Yeah, there's technology. not a lot of tech. It's more software. Yeah. Um, I don't know. You could argue. It, it's a fine line. You mm. could argue. I mean, Facebook, they've basically built Facebook on their own platform. It's they did invent something to make it mm. it's all very complicated but um depends what you define technology yeah exactly another conversation for another day but no doubt done an incredible job what do you what do you think about the uh the whole idea of where facebook came from and whether mm. zuckerberg stole it have you watched the film yeah i watched it while i was at facebook with all the facebook guys in a cinema in central london um where no one else around us knew that we were the Facebook team. <laughs> so that was quite an interesting experience, quite entertaining. Um, uh, I don't know. I, I've been fortunate enough to meet um, Zuckerberg and he's a incredibly driven guy. He, he's a nice chap. I had a nice chat with him. Uh, but I'd, my impression of it was that it made for a great story. Uh, there was clearly an element of truth in it because of what happened in the courts. But my kind of feeling was that I don't think he necessarily went about it deliberately. I don't think he's that cold. I, don't, I, I think that it was almost accidental ruthlessness. I could be way off the mark. But I think it was accidental ruthlessness and that you know he cut people out because he was so focused on, on him, on doing what he wanted to do. And they weren't towing the line so we'll sod them i'll move on from here and without you um and everybody talks about ideas and everybody you know shares ideas well you know it's it's how you how you implement it that's the kind of the mark of a person um and who gets the breaks and who puts the effort in 
Um, and luck, luck plays a big role in everything. Uh, I don't believe in the idea of making your own luck, per se. I think you spot opportunities and you open yourself up to them. If you sit in a dark room doing nothing, then you could say that you're not very lucky. Well, actually, you're just not making any opportunities, not really opening your eyes and your mind to things which could come your way. Um, uh, so, yeah, so you know, people say the harder I work, the luckier I, luckier I, I get. Well, absolutely, because you just work and you do the right thing. I think it's um, Clive Woodward said or wrote that um, it's not about being in the right place at the right time. It's about being in the right place all the time so that when that opportunity comes, you can grab it. Um, and at that point, you know, people will say, oh, is it just the right place, right time? Well, you know. <laughs> everyone's somewhere at some point aren't they so mm -hmm. you've got to make sure that you're making those decisions that uh, that help you get to where you want to be um, and I think that you know it's a frustration I find of um, being where we are geographically that not enough people have had experience of intense city work or life or or you know the, the horizons aren't, aren't horizons aren't broad enough and that's not through any fault of their own it's you know because they haven't really been given any aspiration or inspiration uh and the people who stand out the ones that are doing good things exceptional things are fewer and further between than they should be which is a shame because there's so many opportunities in in Lincolnshire, in Greater Lincolnshire, in Northern Lincolnshire in particular, where we are. So many opportunities to do good stuff, to do fun stuff. You know, the power of the collective rather than a load of individuals is much greater. But I don't think we all see that enough. You know, imagine if... Um, your agency, my agency, two other agencies got together to try and win a multi-million pound contract. Individually, our agencies are not going to win that. We're not big enough. We couldn't service it. You know, GSK have a contract coming up and you know, we go for it and then be, you know, we wouldn't even get our foot in the door. But it, as, a, as, a, as a collective, well, why not? You know, those kind of, that collaboration, that lack of collaboration obviously not across the board but that lack of collaboration is the first thing i really noticed when i was in business everyone was trying to keep it close keep their stuff close to their chest whereas i was used to agencies working together um i was used to businesses kind of pulling in the same direction and everybody taking their slice of the pie whereas up here and i, su I suspect in lots of other places in the uk but i just don't have experience of them uh the people just want the entirety of their own pie, which I think is counterproductive. Um, which you know, and I think there's an opportunity for people to do more. Together. Well, I think I think yeah, I think that's valid. Um, whether it's a control thing or a, a fear, uh, I think it's fear as part fear. You reckon fear? Yeah, well, to fear some of, extent, but fear of losing what you've got. Yeah. Oh, what if if I work with if Napton Wright and Laser Red collaborate, what if the client then ends up preferring Laser Red? Well, hey ho, that's 
you know, at least if we've worked together on the project and experienced the project together. And at, at the end of the project, the client decides to continue working with LaserEd. Hey ho, that's just how how it rolls. We carry on, we keep going, and you go and find, you know, keep finding more clients and keep working with your existing guys. And it's, you know, um, this isn't some kind of I'm not pitching for something <laughs> here with you, but. But, you know, I've been thinking about it and I just think, you know, you and I have talked about you know, the, the, the difficulties of recruitment, mm. particularly in the creative sector. And I think there are two challenges to recruitment up here and outside, you know, in any kind of relatively rural area. One is the lack of training. You know, there are you know, a couple of, universities and university colleges and things like that and I'm, like, I'm not sure that they're actually doing what needs to be done for our sector um another thing is the lack of stuff to do and i said that to somebody recently and they said oh have you been down to cleethorpes you've been there yeah 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 absolutely and but you can't just isolate one area like there's loads to do in cleethorpes yeah there is absolutely loads to do but it is all relative and that is one area what you know the fact that you're pulling out one town in the whole of northern Lincolnshire and beyond is almost reinforcing my point. And the reason I say this is not because I'm being negative about the area. I'm just saying that the opportunity is there to do a lot more. You know, if you, um, I think if everybody was pulling in the right direction, and I was talking to someone today, about it and they were saying that actually it it's requires private companies to do this it's not you know the university of lincoln brilliant you know they invest heavily but if you're allowing an organization like that it, it won't happen what you need is private companies to all come together and, and we've talked in the past about wouldn't it be great if there was some kind of agency training academy that then fed the agencies around and the tech businesses and the creative businesses and that would be brilliant you know if we all fed into it we all mentored people it would be um, a really interesting thing to work on and it would it would help us all enormously and and when there are more people then there's more you know more stuff to do an area becomes better um but at the moment it's i feel it's trying really really hard and i think we're moving in the right direction we've got some phenomenal leaders in the area who are trying to pull it in the right direction they're doing a great job but i think it requires everybody uh, or the majority of people to keep to keep pushing forward and people don't know what they don't know and so they don't know that you know if you live in a city you can walk out your door and be somewhere completely different culturally completely different within five minutes and that's not necessarily the case outside of cities i'm not i'm not suggesting that rural areas should become like cities but uh but there's an there is an opportunity for um towns market towns and the connection connected areas in between to sort of to pull together and unite forces i used to live in market raisin and people in raisin are always complaining about gainsborough and how they get <laughs> funding and then people in Gainsborough, i'm sure are complaining about funding that goes elsewhere yeah and you know complaining. people have to be on a team yeah and most teams have a competitor mm. and so they this uh us and them mentality always seems yeah. to kick up and yeah. i think that's that happens in rural places much more because of the distance. Yeah, they're not, they're not part of. They can't be. They're too far. You know, you have to get in the car to get to 
that team. Yeah, um, absolutely. But I'm I'm an idealist, and I I think that I'm an idealist. I'm an optimist, um, and sometimes there's a fine line between optimism and burying your head in the sand. Um, but I I work very hard on not burying my head in the sand. But in in this kind of ideal world, I would love to see, you know, Northern Lincolnshire is where my my kids are going to grow up, and I would and I I remember. Um, talking to Louise early on when we met and I met her you know she was early 20s then and she said oh, I'm not going back to where I grew up because there's nothing to do and yeah in your, in your early 20s maybe there isn't anything to do but I would love it to be a difficult decision for my children if they decided to move away and experience something else I'd love it to be a difficult decision for them to say do you know what actually I want to go home and that you know it's not it's what I mean about the difficult decision is that you know, if let's say they go to a city, um, and they experience that, and then they go, "I love it here, I love it here," but actually, I love it back home as well because there's loads to do, and it's you know, I can see great prospects and lots of things to do. Oh, this is a difficult one. Um, yeah, I think that would be that would be brilliant. And I think you know, you look at look at Scunthorpe and you look at Grimsby and you look at the the opportunities for growth, in particular in those two kind of hubs. Well, lots of people have. Uh, well, sorry, manufacturing and heavy industry has supported lots of um, families in Scunthorpe, in particular, and that and it's not doing that as much anymore, and it's not going to do that in the future. So, what's going to replace it? Well, I'd throw my hat in the ring and say, digital creative is a, a damn good one to to do that, and the same here in Grimsby, and then create some hubs. You know, there's a lot of, it's not like there's not enough land. You know, let's create, you know, something like the C4D Iron Hull. Let's put some kind of tech creative hubs in these two places and link them together and, you know, sharing knowledge across the way. And then that's supporting a town that, or towns that need that support. And you can train people, you know, there would be a huge amount of transferable skills from people who um, worked in different sectors but it's just giving the, the younger generation something to aspire to and to say, look, if you if you grow up here, um, you can maybe start off as an apprentice in this digital business and you can move across to that one. Then you can maybe go across to Silicon Valley and work there and then come back. And then, you know, it kind uh, yeah, of, I think I think that um, see that can happen. And I know that can happen because it happened to one of our staff. Yeah. So he he. He came uh, to us as well, almost less than a junior. Like, no, I don't even think he'd ever have had a job. Straight out of college, knew he kind of enjoyed developing. We took him on as an apprentice, a junior, then a, not, then just kind of went up and up the ranks. And uh, he was the youngest member of the team. By the time he was like, I'm, I've, I've got to go and travel. I've got to do this thing. Went yeah. to travel. Travel was getting involved in cryptocurrency and building wallets and stuff. Facebook tried to recruit him. Mm. Uh, he said he got an offer, a job offer by Facebook. They wanted to move him to Silicon Valley. He was like, nope, I, uh, I don't want to go to San Francisco. <laughs> they said, okay, we'll put you in London. He went, oh, I'll think about it. No, it's not for me. I don't want to be in the city. Just very kind of knew what he want, what, knew what he didn't want. Yeah. But, you know, from um, he came from near Louth somewhere. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I don't think a lot of people think that happens to people in this area. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, aren't there 
there aren't that many people from the village I grew up in who went and worked for Facebook, Twitter, Google, and all that kind of stuff. I'm sure there are some. Um, but it's just having something that's not the exception. You know, so I think it's more probably more of the yeah those those people need to be told that it is possible. Yeah, <clears throat> I definitely agree that this area is prime for um, that digital collaboration. Mm. But it does need everyone in the point. You know, their nose is pointed in the same direction. Yeah, which I think is a is a tough problem to solve for a lot of businesses. It is. It is. You're always going to get people who disagree with each other, and that's fine because a healthy disagreement is 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 productive um and you're going to get people who aren't interested and that doesn't matter because you don't need them you need the people who are interested and you need the people who have a shared vision and i think there's there's so much going on that i think it's it's not you don't want to hear the same voices time and again it's great that there are certain businesses that are doing really well but you don't you get bored of seeing the same ones and actually, there are plenty more who are getting great results, but they just they either consciously don't want to promote themselves, they don't need, they feel they don't need to, which is a shame for the area, I think. Um, and I, you know, I, I would like. I look out of the window in Brig. We've got a lovely office, um, a view from the office in Brig. We're really fortunate. It's overlooking the marketplace. It's really nice. I look out there and I think, what would it take to make this town like Beverly. Beverly is a lovely town, um, thriving, um, decent um, retail spread, uh, lots of things to do, nice houses and you know, people really want to live there and that pushes the house prices up and all that kind of stuff. What would it take to get Brig to that level beyond just investment? Because you can't just throw money at a problem. I don't really know. I think, you know, what we would like to do is really champion the town for ourselves, you know, sorry, really champion the town ourselves to say what a great place it is to be in, to live, to work, um, opportunities, some great businesses. And then you provide that kind of that link with other towns and you, you sort of see business in other towns going, yeah, yeah, it's great to be here too. Yeah, brilliant. And you kind of, you know, thumbs up across the, the virtual um, virtual room, I suppose. Uh, and, and everyone's kind of loving where they are rather than complaining about it. Don't think for a second that I'm complaining about being here. It was my choice to be up here. I really like it here. I like the people. I like the, I like the, the environment. I just, I want more for it. And, and it can give more. And I think that's probably the best thing. It can give more. And it will with the right direction, with the right businesses. And it takes, you know, a couple of businesses to sort of stick their head up and go, hang on, look, we're here. We're having a great time of it. Do you want to come as well? Yeah, yeah. And my, my, you know, my vision for the agency is that it is a place where people want to come and work. And they think, you know, they're looking around and they think, well, should I go to Sheffield? Should I go and work with one of the big network agencies? Um, no, do you know what? Actually, I've heard about Napton Rice and I've heard that they look after their people and I've heard they do great work and I heard their clients love what they do. Um, and I want to go and work there. You know, can I have a job? And that would be, you know, that's that's one of the 
you know, big ticks in, in my direction, not because I'm vain, because I have very, very little vanity. Um, uh, <laughs> as most people can tell when they see me, <laughs> <laughs> I don't, yeah. So, but you, um, that would just be great for the area. It would be, be great for the sector. It would be great for, um, um, for people. And more businesses, I think there are lots of businesses like that, you know, that people want to work at or work in. So I think that's where, you know, that's certainly one of our one of our goals to be kind of an employer of choice. It's a great goal. Mm. It's good for everyone concerned. It's good for the business, good for the staff, good for you. Yeah. Good for the area. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I'm not averse to, you know, I've worked in uh, agency world for long enough to know that people chop and change. You know, it's a bit like sport. They go from one club and they're like, I've always wanted to play for such and such a club. My absolute dream, I'm going to give everything. And then two years later, uh, some you know, someone down the road, like, yeah, I've always wanted to play at this club and <laughs> you know, I'm going to give my all. And that's fine. As long as the people who work with me give their, give their best while they're there and then they decide to, do a, to, to make a change, absolutely fine. That's all right. Um, and, you know, I, I'd love other people from other agencies to come in because then I can learn from them and you know, bring a different viewpoint on things. So a bit more kind of fluidity across across businesses. And that is not because I'm going, I've said this to you before, it's not because <laughs> I'm coming poaching or anything like that or I'm covering my tracks or covering my back. It's, you know, it, it just happens. And, and you know, it's like a, a sort of a merry-go-round in the cities, isn't it? People moving from one to another to another to another. Um, uh, but it is, you know, this is this is this is a great opportunity. I think we've hit it at a really good time, and I think that there's a lot more to come, which is brilliant. And it's one of those things where, you know, I'm sure you'd agree that in the the world that we operate, there are loads of prospects, there are loads of people we could work with, loads of businesses, loads of projects to get involved with, and it's exciting and challenging and different um which is probably what keeps you going i guess yeah <laughs> it's the it's the best thing about this type of job is the variety yeah i do love it um i, I could never do the same thing over and over in fact i tried it it didn't work for me i just got bored after mm. a couple of years um yeah. we've done over two hours oh, sheesh that's too long you, you said these there. podcasts were quite long and i think you've just broke the record no no there's one on there that's two hours something yeah this one's longer uh, okay so before we to, go you have to cut it down any f <laughs> any final words of wisdom for business owners or anyone thinking of going into business oh anyone thinking of going into business do it um you don't necessarily need a plan you just need to have a general direction you want to go in and a bit of confidence and know that if it doesn't work then you can try something else you can use what you've learned and try something else and that's not just how always having a, a safety net and a cushion to sort of or an excuse you just just keep trying different things and be nice to people because you know whilst i can be mischievous i uh, you know i'm not not rude about people Unless they're my friend, in which case they're, they're probably as rude or ruder about me. So I think that uh, 
uh, I got no words of wisdom for people who run businesses. I'm not in a position to to offer any. But one thing I will say is that at Facebook, they instilled in you that no problem was was any one person's. It was always shared, you know. And the collaborative approach to innovation and to creativity and ideas was always much better. And I think that's, I think if every business could take that on board and have, you know, collaborative responsibility for everything and to have that as their, their culture that everyone strives so hard for, well, actually then it just becomes natural. It's a good place to leave it. Mm. And don't do late night podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you very much for being on the podcast. It's a pleasure. Pleasure. Um, I hope to be, be on many more. I don't really. <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much, Alex. It's a pleasure.